Welcome to Charities at Work, a podcast of Catholic Charities USA, the national office for the Catholic Charities Ministry in the United States and its territories. Our podcast focuses on the mission of Catholic Charities, providing service to people in need, advocating for social justice, and inviting all people of goodwill to do the same. Welcome to Charities at Work. This is a podcast of Catholic Charities USA, and I am speaking with Father Reagan Shriver, who is the Catholic Charities USA Special Assistant to the President for Strategic Integration, and he's also the Director of the Master of Science and Social Work Program at the University of Tennessee. Welcome, Father, to this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Our topic today is going to be the principle of human dignity, the life and dignity of the human person. In fact, the U.S. Catholic bishops have uh, outlined seven themes of Catholic social teaching, and they say that the dignity of the human person forms the foundation for all Catholic social teaching. So what exactly is Catholic social teaching? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I think that um, so many people don't really have an uh, understanding of what uh, this aspect of the church's teaching is. I think many times people say, pay so much attention to like the moral questions that are in the church and then don't understand that really that, that the social aspect of the church really is so tied deeply to the call to an ethical and moral life um, are, are just how we care for the earth, how we care for uh, those that work, how we care for those in prisons. Uh, it really is, I feel like you use the word dignity of the human person as being a foundation of the concept of social teaching. Uh, but I feel like then, I feel like that the concept of social teaching is foundational for other theological aspects of, of what we do. I feel like it does grow out of that. Uh, so I just, I love this. This Catholic social teaching really is, of course, began with the biblical authors, but then I think got a real um, kind of a, a, maybe a coalesced around uh, the, the uh, time of Pope Leo the Thirteenth. I don't want to get too geeky too quickly, but like I don't know much. My my papal history isn't real strong, but I know that during his time, that there was this uh, a real during the period of his his reign or papacy was the period of industrialization in the globally that people were moving from an agrarian form of of earning an income to more industrialized uh, method of earning an income. And there was this, a lot of exploitation. Uh, there were no regulations for workers. Workers were not valued for the persons that they were. They were more viewed more for the utility that they served. So then uh, Pope- Child labor too, right? Right, child labor, people overworked, even despite maybe like hand injuries and back injuries and all that, all the other kinds of injuries that are occurring, it just didn't really matter. There were no no laws around breaks for work and stuff like that. And so um, I think him being able to write this big letter to the world saying, hey, the human person is primarily they're dignified in their um, reflection of our our reflection of the presence of God in the world because of we in a way are are well really are not in a way but are 
God's image here on earth. And that uh, in that we are not just a utility to make someone else money. <laughs> so I feel like that's kind of where um, the Catholic social thought really from uh, kind of got organized or coalesced in the modern era after that, that, uh, that writing in the, in, in the mid 1800s. And, and you're speaking of, I believe the encyclical Rerum Novarum, by Pope yes. Leo the Thirteenth, right? Yes. I, yes, indeed, that is the beginning of the modern understanding of Catholic social teaching. But your point is well made that there really isn't an opposition between the moral teaching and the social teaching. They blend together very uh, nicely and and purposefully, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, you you also mentioned how the Catholic social teaching, and I would assume obviously the principle of human dignity are grounded in scripture. Could you talk a little bit more about that? How are they grounded in scripture? Well, okay, so I, I love your wording that it's it's grounded or that this is a foundational principle for, for two reasons. First, if you think about like the, the, the very first chapters in the whole Bible, uh, you know, the book of Genesis, uh, you know, from what we've studied, uh, you know, in learning about um, the, the authors of who wrote the, the scripture and what was going on in their time and what was happening. We know that there's two different stories that are in, that kind of depict how the world was created and ultimately uh, the human person. So the, uh, the, the first story is interesting because it's more methodical. God creates all these things and everything is good along the way. But the capstone of the uh, creation event is is the human person. That in, in the way that God says, uh, uh, "I'm going to create these humans, men and women, in in God's own image," and that think of the dignity of that. Like if we just what we know and believe and, and know to be true about God, the Creator, uh, the All Being, the All Points of All Everything, God, to say that I'm going to um, create these people in my own image. Think of the dignity and worth of just that, of saying that that I'm the greatest that's ever, and he probably wouldn't have said that, but to say that, that I'm, but I'm going to give give these people life, that the, the summit of creation is is the human. Uh, just that in itself, I think, is, is a really great thing. It is a beautiful thing, but I'm, I'm thinking about some people maybe who who aren't as familiar, as you were saying at the beginning of our conversation, that not everyone is uh, familiar with Catholic social teaching. So they may say, well, what exactly does it mean to be made in the image of God? Because I don't have an image of God in my head, Father. Mm -hmm. So how can I be made in his image? What, what does that mean? I, mean, I guess it means a, a, a lot of things to a lot of people. To me personally, I think it, it would mean, it, just from what I've read and understood about, about our Catholic thought, is that somehow that it, when, when my heart is beating, I feel like, and when I'm understanding or engaging with other people, um, you know, it's not just a biological function. <laughs> it's, I'm not just, uh, you know, some, I mean, yeah, we've evolved and there's an evolutionary pattern, but it's, it's, it's more than, than, than that. It's that uh, I am engaging with the world. I'm thinking critically about the world. Uh, I have been given this ability to choose what I feel like is what is right, what I know is, is, is wrong. I have that choice. I have that ability to make that choice. I can steer my own life. I can steer uh, where I'm going. I'm not just responding to uh, you know, basic human needs. Um, so I just feel like that, that that's that is just in maybe just one brief sentence with a lot of stutters in it that that's one, <laughs> one way of, of kind of describing how I've understood it. Then yeah, and I, and I think it is a good description of the well, what what um, I guess uh, 
if you were going to look at the catechism or something like that, you put it in very uh, terms that are easy for all of us to understand. But I think in the catechism, they might talk about free will or freedom. Like you were saying, I have the freedom to do what I want. I'm not just a, a, a bunch of cells or I'm not just, uh, I'm just not reacting to stimuli or anything like that. And the other thing that you mentioned is that you're able to think about the world and what it's about and why I'm here and what it's, what, what is all this about? And that would be, the uh, the gift of reason. So we have two gifts, the gift of free will or freedom, and also the gift of reason, which helps us to interact with the world. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that uh, I just also think about this, this image as we look through, um, and this is kind of trampling on another of the principles, but the concept of that a, a human is the dignity, my, my dignity, I have wonderful dignity within myself, each one of us do. But to think about that when I'm in a relationship with another person, uh, or I'm in a relationship with my community, um, that, 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 that I bring something special and unique to the community and kind of round out that experience. Like, you know, when we go to mass, uh, uh, you know, we, we were there, I could think of, well, I'm going to go and then I'm going to leave and be, it's just going to be me. That's one thing. But I, I bring my dignity and worth and value and all of my experiences and who I am. And I offer that on the altar with other people. And it's a community that we come together and truly become this, this reflection and reality of, of the body of Christ as a, as a community of believers. So when I keep my dignity away and, and at home, I'm, I'm missing out of, of being a part of this, this fullness of, of, of the body of Christ. That, I, I, I love that. And I would think, I think that's another key term as well. You mentioned relationship, and that is integral to this uh, dignity of the human person because, again, as, as we were talking, God invites us uh, and makes us in his image. And what's really happening is he's, he's inviting us into a relationship with him. Yeah, and yeah. as you were saying, we also have relationship with each other. And, and so if, I, if, if I'm talking about my own personal dignity made in the image and likeness of God, then, then it goes without saying that the other person has that same dignity. Mm-hmm. So we, we are called, I think when, when you look at, again, going back to the Genesis that you mentioned, the, the first two stories in Genesis, really is about uh, the naming and the establishing of relationships. You have that relationship with God, you have the relationship with each other, and you have a relationship with creation. And if we're going to look at that from the perspective of human dignity, what do you think, or how would you describe those relationships? What do they look like if, again, we're basing it on the principle of the dignity of the human person? I feel like this is, this is, amazing. This is an amazing question. So this is going to be a silly answer, but but I'll, I'll, hopefully it'll reflect some theological reality. So uh, you know, I and so uh, I I've kind of gotten into watching The Crown, which is this story about um, Queen Elizabeth, the Queen of England, right now. And so um, uh, like I, if you I've just was have never been interested in this, but I thought I heard about the show and heard it was good, so I've been watching it. Well, whenever she comes into a room, people kind of bow at her. And they call her your majesty. And they're all this hoopla around. And then even her sisters and brothers and people that she's in, in relationship with, you know, they're royal highnesses. I kind of started thinking about that. If I could recognize 
whatever they see in the queen and her majesty, if I could recognize that value in the clients that I serve at Catholic Charities, the students I teach at the agency, my coworkers, if I was thinking about, I would bow to them and I would respect them with the same kind of royalty that they do her. Wow, what a world we would live in if we had that kind of respect for every single person. But really, I, I think that God probably intended for every single one of us to have that same kind of, I don't know, dignity. And you, know, you think about the word royalty and dignity, they seem to go together. So I was kind of thinking of thinking about that. That's what struck me um, in, in just that little image. That, yeah, it's a it's a good image, and and you're and, and very helpful because we we are in a sense if we carry the dignity of God within us or the image of God, then why wouldn't we bow uh, to that? And I guess to play devil's advocate, um, if Queen Elizabeth walks into the room and she has her crown on and and she has the what is it the mitre in her hand i don't know yeah, yeah who knows <laughs> but there again once again there's that clear image and it's easy to bow to that but what if it's difficult to see that image of god and the other person why is it that we sometimes miss it why isn't that we're not bowing to each other or at least to the image of god in each other why do you think that happens <laughs> that's a that's a tough question i think about like you know i feel like that uh the, the call really to respect one another and, uh, and to accept the other person for who they are at their core. I know, like I said at the beginning, that we do have this in, in this ability to make decisions, a free will. I'm, I'm free to choose to love and to love God. I'm free to choose not to love or to choose just to love just myself and not other people. So it's a bummer sometimes that people are choosing this other path. And, and sometimes that can that rubs up against us and and so it can be difficult for us uh, to 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 accept people for who they are or maybe our own unwillingness to examine you know the other person for the, the worth that they have or you know because we're caught up in ourselves I think those things kind of happen and I think it does prevent us from fully um, really celebrating uh, one, one of the first jobs I had in social work I was lucky to have this job was um, in uh, at, a, at a it was an alternative sentencing program it was people that were, were criminal offenders and I, I was scared to death my first few days of work there and I remained very distant from them and um, and because I had this image in my head of who they were I had, I had this false image but then as time went on, I got to know these people and know that the things that they were doing, really a lot of it wasn't their own fault. And they were making choices because of the culture they were from or the situation that they were in. And so um, I feel like that is what helped me break through a barrier to recognizing their royalty or their dignity because I got to know them. And, and I think that sometimes that's a thing with us that we don't uh, get to know people or try to understand someone uh, in, in a way um, to, because we don't, so we can see the dignity sometimes as we come to know other people, if that makes sense. Yeah. We're talking with Father Reagan Shriver on uh, the Catholic Charities USA podcast, Charities at Work. And our topic for today is the life and dignity of the human person. Yes, I, I, that, that um, as you were saying, uh, your need to to look deeper into these uh, the the criminals or the prisoners that you were uh, encountering at your first uh, work as a social worker, I guess if we were to put a, a theological label on that, it, would it be fair to say that what we're dealing with here is is the the nature of sin, which is also talked about in those first two stories of Genesis after we've uh, been introduced to the wonderful news that we're made in God's image. 
Then we get a little bit of a downer uh, <laughs> towards the, what is it, the end of the third chapter, I think. You know, yeah, I think you're right. Kind of to, to my, what I was saying, I think like sometimes when I get so caught up in my own self or my own needs or my own desires, or my own hungers, whatever, and then, then I do end up kind of making choices sometimes that, that, that aren't helpful for everybody else. And then no wonder people don't recognize the dignity in myself when I'm choosing that. And I think that is kind of, I mean, for what, what we would call, I guess, the original sin is a selfish choice. Uh, you know, I'm going to look only to my own self. And, you know, also, I think there's this other kind of thing to talk about like this, um, this image that's in the second story of creation. That it's, I, I love it because the first story of creation is very regal and that God appears a little bit of, of all power. All he has to say is to say something and the human is created and say something and everything is good. But here he's distant. He's distant from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but then here's God walking in a garden, digging <laughs> around, creating stuff. The, the, the human person is created first and then the human helps kind of like, I don't know, watch it as it created and kind of talks to God as he's creating it. He's kind of there along with it. And it's interesting to me that in, if we were to look at the way that it was originally written in Hebrew, that the word Hebrew is, um, that we call, we think like Adam is like his name, like his John or, or Jason or something. But really Adam is a word that's a Hebrew word, Adam, if we were going to pronounce it in Hebrew. And it means um, like an, a, a hu human earth, human earth creature. Um, right. Because the word Adam comes from another word, which is Adam Ah, which means the earth. So here God gets his hands and digs in the earth and breathes his own very, God's own very breath into that, that uh, clay figure that he forms, that God forms, and then it becomes the, the, the human person. So we're, we're a part of the earth, but we're also part of this amazing dig, uh, the, uh, divinity. We're part, we're, we're part of this, this great, great breath of God. God's spirit is in us, but we are also still connected to this earth. Um, so there's, there's uh, both are combined in the human person. That's amazing. What would you say to a person who says, you know, I hear what you're saying and it, it sounds beautiful and I would love to believe that it's all true, but then I get in front of somebody that I really don't like who has treated me horribly mm -hmm. and I, I just don't want to be with that person. I don't want to even recognize that he or she may have that kind of dignity. What would you just say to a person who's having those kind of thoughts? Ooh, that's a that's a difficult question. You know, I mean, I think I know, like, like you know, we both, you and I both know that the work we do in Catholic charities, a lot of times, it's domestic violence. A lot of times, it's people who have been assaulted and and have been victims of crime have not been the but like so that that whole thing of how do i look at someone who's violated me or violated my family or or as an enemy of, or i've been taught to not like this whew, that is hard hard difficult work and i think that that's the truth about catholic social teaching it's good news it's something to be totally excited about but man it's hard work I mean, even some of the other ones, again, not to steal the thunder of the other principles, but like care for creation is not, does not come first nature to us. It's very difficult work to do. To, how am I going to get this recycled? What am I going to do? And it's the same thing with this one. In fact, this might be the most difficult. <laughs> so that, I'm saying that, that, that like the deal that I need to love someone or try to recognize the presence of God or, or the dignity of someone who has completely done me wrong. And I think that for me to have that in my heart and to try to work through that is he can be healing to me, 
But um, that doesn't mean I need to be around that person or be, um, you know, continue to be in a relationship with someone that's been you know, violent to me. I, I can protect myself and, 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 and move away from that person. But uh, how do I then come to a sense of forgiveness? And I think the way that God's created us and part of this whole image in God's image thing is that I have the ability to forgive and that forgiveness is going to make me healthier and better. Uh, a, a better person, I think, and a, a well more will increase my wellness in whatever way. Because um, if I continue to carry a grudge and have that hate in my heart, um, you know, then then that's just going to be my focus. But that doesn't say that I need to be in a in, live in the same home with or be in the, in a relationship or work whatever next to somebody that's that's treated me really really wrong. That's where my take on it. And I think it's a wonderful take because if, if I could, what I would say, or at least what your words make me think of, is that basically what you're doing is you're, you're honoring your own dignity mm-hmm. and, and you're not allowing yourself to be abused. You're not allowing uh, another person to do something wrong to you. And so all the things that you just said is about honoring your own dignity. Mm-hmm. And this is where, as you say, freedom to forgive, to think about what is the right thing to do. Those two gifts that we have, freedom and, and the ability to reason, how, what is the best thing to do to this particular person? I want Maybe, you're right. Maybe I'm not going to be around that person. Maybe I'm going to work towards uh, some kind of reconciliation, but it may not. It may mean that I have to be uh, away from the person for some time until he or she gets the help that she needs or he needs. And uh, so, I mean, to me, it, <laughs> what you've done is kind of wrapped up the whole thing in, in human dignity once again. Yeah, I, I think you you know you the, your question was what if someone f- you feel like um it doesn't you don't want to be around that or has been hurt you or whatever that, you know sometimes I feel like that the person is the one in the mirror too I mean that I don't mean to be cliche or silly about no, it no. but no. but I do think that I through my years of work as a a minister a priest as a social worker a, a executive director I feel like the the biggest I feel like violation to human dignity is that. I look negatively at myself or that I, I, I hate who I am. And if I hate who I am and the God that's in me, then I'm never going to see the God in you. And if I can only see, see the God in, in, in myself, uh, then, then, then to help myself to s- discover the, the spirit of God in, in you and, and, and in those people that I disagree with or don't like or whatever. Yeah, I agree. That's absolutely crucial. If, if I'm able to, to see myself, not from my limited perspective, which, as you say, sometimes focuses on my weaknesses, my sins or whatever. But if I look at myself with God's eyes, I see myself as his beloved child. He, he's not, obviously, he's not ignorant of my sins, but that those sins don't define me and mm. he still loves me. And if I have that dignity and he's willing to work with me, and he's willing to wait for me to change and all that and give me that what, what I need to change, then shouldn't we try to do that for other people? Yeah, so, that, but- no, it's, it's a wonderful, uh, again, a, a very good uh, discussion on this uh, principle of, the, of human dignity, the, the dignity of the human person. I, I think we've uh, given a wonderful explanation of this principle Father, and I really am grateful that you took some time to uh, share uh, your thoughts with us and your experience as uh, a social worker. Uh, Thank you so much for, for being with us. 
Well, thank you very much, uh, you know, uh, for, for, for having the conversation and inviting me to be a part of it. I'm, I'm, I was really excited to be, to have this neat conversation. I'm, I feel, I feel, I'm, I'm kind of energized by what we've talked about today. I'm going to hopefully the rest of my day, I'll be, I'll be treating some people like real royalty out there. <laughs> and I'll do the same. <laughs> great, great. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We just heard from Father Reagan Shriver about the concept of the inherent dignity of the human person. But it's not just about ourselves as individuals. It's also about joining together as a community. For this particular aspect of the principle of human dignity, we are inviting and happy to have with us uh, Mr. Brian Corbin, who is the Executive Vice President for Member Services at Catholic Charities USA. And he's going to talk to us about the practical aspects of this principle of human dignity and how it applies to the Catholic Charities ministry. Brian, welcome and thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Oh, thank you, David. I appreciate it. Yeah. So what I was just thinking is you gave me, uh, as we connected with hearing Father Reagan and how you summed it up, the thing that hit me is like, of course, you know, that great story we hear on the, on the sixth day of creation made in the image and likeness of God and how we've, we've reflected on that. That also brings to mind like, okay, so if that's me, if that's my dignity, which is incredible, that must mean that when I meet you, and anyone else I bump into, any stranger along the road, I have to recognize and acknowledge that that person, you, someone else, has that human dignity as well. It kind of reminds me of the great, the Good Samaritan story a little bit too, when uh, the Samaritan stopped and helped someone. Remember that story where he actually stopped and helped someone as other people walked across the street? That Samaritan, that, that person who stopped, literally saw the dignity of that human person laying on the road. So that that is an important concept of, not, uh, it's not just about me. It's also about our social relationship. So the church has always talked about the inherent dignity of the person, but that inherent dignity allows us or requires us to see that we're also social beings of the very essence. We're born into a family. We're born into a community. We literally have obligations to each other. And I know that um, Pope Benedict in his uh, great encyclical uh, Deus Caritas S, God is Love, talks about how uh, that relationship, that that um, that dignity and helping each other and that we have to organize love. We have to organize ways that we respect each other's dignity and care for each other. And so as I was reflecting, as you and Father Reagan were talking, another story that hit me um, really clearly was Matthew 25. Remember in that story of the last judgment where Jesus looks on the right to the left and the sheep and the goats and says, when I was hungry, thirsty, sick in prison, and you did it to me, or you did it for my least brothers, you did it to me. So all of a sudden we have this thought that it's no longer just an image. We're now, Jesus is saying, I'm here. You're, you are responding to me, not just to an image, but to me. And I, that has always moved me, David, in my ministry, that somehow I have, that's what I see when I look in your eyes, when I look in someone else's eye, I'm seeing Jesus because that's what we're called to do. And I think 
it's it's a wonderful point and and just as as I reflect on that hearing you talk about it it reminds me that Jesus not only tells us to do that he also showed us how to how to do it just thinking of the the last supper when he got down on his hands and knees and he washed the disciples feet and then he says to them what I have done for you, you should also do to others. So it's not just about giving us an order. He's actually showing us how to do it. Exactly. And that's, that's really critical. So when, so the next step, so, so we have to organize love and we have to be that servant leader, like you just mentioned, and someone who actually models it. Every story, at least every story that I read in the gospel, Jesus tells people, Hey, why don't you sit down and have dinner? Why don't you make sure you have something to eat? Um, why don't we heal people so that they can listen to us? Those very basic needs. So the church in organizing love has called these the corporal works of mercy. And our Catholic Charities Agencies are, are the basically the organized way of the, each bishop to find ways of engaging in the corporal works of mercy. What are those? Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned, shelter the homeless, visit the sick and bury the dead. So those are things that almost every Catholic Charities Agency does something regarding that. So that's one way that we take that human dignity of the person, know that each other has that dignity, but their needs need to be taken care of so they have the fullness of their human dignity met. And I think when, I would hope that when all of us listen to what you just said about this organization of love, this service on a communal level, that it gives us uh, a lot of of hope and a lot of uh, solace that that you you often hear people, how can I solve poverty? How can I solve hunger? How can I solve homelessness? How can I? Well, actually, by ourselves, we can't do much. We can take care of our families. We can take care of our neighbors. We can volunteer in ways that our time and our resources allow. But the great thing about what you're talking about is that we can also join with Catholic Charities. Maybe we're not a staff member. Maybe we're not actually volunteering with a Catholic Charities agency, although that would be wonderful for everyone who wants to. But just by supporting Catholic Charities, you're also doing that work. Do you oh, think that's fair to say? Absolutely. Through, uh, you know, so the whole church's teaching of time, treasure, and talent, right? So using your time, helping each other, using your treasure, using your talents. Absolutely. There's all kinds of ways to be engaged. And that's why, David, that's what's really important about the work of Catholic Charities in understanding human dignity is that we really believe that we serve persons and families from conception to natural death. What does that mean? That whole continuum of that's why the church is so insistent that a uh, a newly conceived child is cr- critically important that we take care of, that we care for their mom and the child and the parents and the family. And then once the child is born, we find ways to help them and to, to accompany them. So from our Catholic health care services to Catholic charities themselves, making sure someone is brought from conception to birth, then after birth, making sure that their health care needs are taken care of, making sure that their housing is taken care of, finding ways of helping the family grow and to, to thrive. And that goes through the entire life cycle. And then at the end of life, we have Catholic Charities agencies are always involved in taking care of seniors, being their guardian, taking pay ships, doing senior housing, doing independent living, do assisted living, do um, 
um, nursing homes, helping people in palliative care. So we have this whole spectrum from taking care of conception to birth, to adoption, to foster care, to young families, to people in the middle that are just are poor, then to the very end of life, helping people. So it's a continuum of care that anyone with their time, treasure, and talent can be part of engaging in the dignity of, of life and dignity of work. I remember, in fact, when you were uh, the, the president and CEO of Catholic Charities in Youngstown, Ohio, I think that you participated in one of the uh, corporal works of mercy, burying the dead. There was a homeless person that uh, that died alone, but you and Catholic Charities in Youngstown uh, helped uh, this person in helping him, and so to speak, be born into heaven. Yeah, what's, what's interesting, there's an interesting story just very quickly. Um, so I told this story to one of my big donors, uh, just a friend of mine who, who, who was very blessed and had a lot, had great wealth. And I was telling the story and he said, Brian, what, how did you bury him? And I said, well, I put together a couple bucks here and there. We found a plot. We did this. And he said, I remembered as a young man, this guy was telling me, I used to be an altar boy in our parish school. And sometimes we'd bury people. And I was, it was only me, the priest and the coffin. And the next thing he gave me a very large check. Um, and basically said, you make sure that no one ever, if anyone calls you and they need help to bury their, that someone is alone and has nothing, you make sure you bury them. And that, and that gentleman um, ensured with his kids, when he passed away, his, he told his children to continue to give money to Catholic charities to help bury the dead. And that fund is still still in existence. We're talking with Brian Corbin, who is the executive vice president for member services at Catholic Charities USA. Are there any other aspects uh, about the Catholic Charities ministry? You've talked a lot about the different activities that they do, uh, the corporal works of mercy that are organized at the institutional level. But there's also a personal touch, isn't there, uh, at the Catholic Charities agencies that that's fed through the the, the agency. But we're talking about that uh, the the case manager, the volunteer dentist, the all these people who are welcoming uh, different people into the Catholic Charities agencies. Sure. I mean, I think part of it. So uh, I think what you're trying to say, or maybe that's what I'm thinking in my back of my head, is because we believe in radical dignity of person, when someone walks in our door, um, there's a statement from Hebrews chapter 13 that says, do not neglect hospitality, for through it, some have unknowingly entertained angels. That has always haunted me. And it comes from a story back in Genesis 18 with Abraham and Sarah have three visitors come to their tent. And instead of burying themselves in, they've opened up their room and they, they brought in the three strangers. And a lot of miracles happened after that Sarah actually had a child. But there's a sense of you don't know who walks in the door. Who's walking in the door right now could be unknowingly entertaining an angel, i.e. that person who's made in the image and likeness of God himself and Jesus saying, you served me. So when I was the director of Catholic Charities, it was very critical that our everyone had a radical hospitality when someone walked in the door from as simple as 
greetings, Mr. Jones. Would you like a cup of coffee? To making sure they felt welcome, making sure they felt respected, no matter what their condition, what their age, and what they came for. A lot of people had to dig up a lot of courage to come to a Catholic Charities Agency to ask for food or to ask for help. And we know that it took a lot of courage to walk into that door. And so we always want to respond with a sense of you are welcome here as an angel himself or herself. And it seems like hospitality might even be the bridge between the personal and this idea of the organized uh, service of love. Exactly. It's, it's, it, it's a hallmark of many of the work we do. And that's, I think that's a very powerful symbol of how to welcome a stranger. You're not a stranger anymore once you walked in the door. You're not a stranger anymore. Just like that story of the Good Samaritan, he stopped, the stranger stopped to help a stranger. Wow, how powerful that was. I remember you mentioned in Deus Caritas Est, or you mentioned Pope Benedict's uh, encyclical, God is Love, Deus Caritas Est. And he says in there, I don't, I can't quote it uh, exactly, but he basically says that society needs the church for this very reason, because the, the, the church and Catholic charities as part of the church really has this gift of bringing God's love to the world. And the state, the government, as good as it is, and it, it's, it has its own uh, value, and we need the state, we need the government, certainly is, is part of the, the entire community, but they really don't provide that service of love like Catholic Charities does. Right. That's a, and that was a really excellent point. And uh, Pope Benedict really makes it real clear that Catholic Charities or Caritas agencies are not the state. And not the for-profit sector either. We have a whole different logic. And the logic is called the logic of giftedness, the logic of gift. And that is an important reflection on we have a very specific role to give love. Because sometimes, quite honestly, I've been in cases where I really, honest to God, could not help a client sitting across my desk with with much material needs. I tried, but sometimes just listening and being there and showing love and showing that I cared, ultimately the person will leave saying, you know, thank you. I know you could only give me 50 bucks to help with my rent, but just listening to me, just taking care of me, just making sure that I'm okay, that you treat me as a human person was what I needed today. And you know, that just melted. I would literally well up before the person left. I remember another uh, story. Uh, <laughs> I, I once knew Cardinal Hickey, and I heard him give a talk once, and he said, talking to a group of people, uh, that you should, if if you do happen to see someone as you pass by on the street, perhaps they're not dressed as well as you, and maybe they look like they've really been through the mill. <laughs> But just to say hi and to smile at them, that may be the one kind act that they receive that day. Exactly. It's, that's very critical. And uh, yeah, so I think that's what the power of the church is. It's really God is love. Deus Caritas has God is love. And that whole concept of love brings out hospitality. Why? Because we see the reflection of God in every single person we cross. They are strangers no more. They are literally unknowingly angels. 
So, Brian, are there any uh, other images in our Catholic faith that kind of get at the, the 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 root of what it means to be part of Catholic charities, be part of a communion of love or an organized an organized service of love, like Pope Benedict says? Well, David, one thing that hit me um, as you were speaking and as I heard Father Reagan speak about dignity and being in the image and likeness of God is that when we think about what is God and in our Christian tradition, God is Father, Son, and Spirit, a trinity, a trinity of love. And there's these powerful images of icons that maybe some of you have seen of the, the three beings of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit looking at each other in this incredible circle. Uh, there's a very famous Russian icon of that. And so what that tells me immediately is that that being a dignity of a person means that I'm instantly as part of a community. And so that community means that I have to think about how I'm going to interact and work with you and others, because being an image likeness of God is that reflection of Father, Son, and Spirit. So even in the essence of that definition, we have a community that's not just – it's beyond mere individualism. And individual dignity is important, but it's connected to a community and social beings. Yeah, and you, you really – when you think about it, we're born into community. We're born into a family. We're born into relationships, a mom, a dad, brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, and the relationship with God. It's just it, – it's all around us, and we really are – social beings we can't get we can't get uh, away from that and if we try then we're really doing harm to ourselves and to those relationships we really need to honor those relationships and as you say really reflect the image of god as as trinity the communion of love wonderful image thank you brian you're welcome inspired by our podcast. We ask that you pray for us and the people we serve and consider joining our mission as a volunteer or as a donor. For more information on your local Catholic Charities Agency and the National Office, be sure to visit our website at catholiccharitiesusa.org.